On this episode, we're diving back into one of our favorite genres featuring two horror novels by Indigenous authors, My Heart is a Chainsaw and Bad Cree. There will be spoilers and spicy language, so if you haven't read either of these, we'd run over to another episode. Just make sure you keep your head on a swivel as slashers and monsters are running rampant through the night. Welcome back to Page Rage. Welcome back. I feel like I needed to add a little evil laugh. I was about to be like, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny because it's May and spring and summer and we're deep into the horror book right now, which, you know, I'm not mad about. I'm not mad about it. It's fine with me. Uh, Horror is all year year long. What is it that they said in uh, My Heart is a Chainsaw? Horror is a love affair, not a genre or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, Jay Daniels, my girl. Sorry, I was going to say, also, this episode will be airing on 6-6, so it's kind of appropriate that we are doing another episode on horror novels. We can't be talking about love and Emily Henry or something on 6-6. That's weird. You right. That's that's a good... I just read another horror novel that I've been seeing that's like everywhere with The Haunting of Alejandra by V. Castro, the one with the beautiful cover. I was reading it last night and And at one point, I was like, you know, I'm in a house by myself. It's night. I'm going to put this to bed and go to sleep before I give myself nightmares. (laughs) And then I woke up and finished the last 40 pages. Sometimes you just need some daylight. Questionable. Yeah, sometimes you just need some daylight. And you're like, I can do this in the daylight. This is fine. Yep. And so I bought myself a rug for under my bed. And for some reason, now I'm even more scared to reach under my bed, which I don't know why. Why? I don't know why the rug made it more terrifying, but it has. (laughs) I'm just dying at these messages about network is struggling. I'm like, same, Squadcast, same. Thank you. Glad we're all struggling. Appreciate that. Okay, you want to hit us with the first book? (laughs) (laughs) Hit me with your best shot. Hit me with your best shot. You know what's worse is I never think of Pat Benatar singing that. I always think of Catherine Zeta-Jones from Rock of Ages. Oh. Like, I will forever remember her singing that. No, I go Pat Benatar, but I, I do understand. I do get it. <laughs> I just appreciate <laughs> that you, you jumped in with, like, the, the little underbeat going. She just goes with it. I appreciate that. I gotcha. I love that. Thank you. I gotcha. Thank you for not leaving me hanging. You're welcome. Well, getting into our first book, since that is why you are here and not to listen to our nonsense. <laughs> Jessica Johns debuted her first novel, Bad Cree, in January of 2023. Every night, Mackenzie dreamwalks through memories of a time before her sister passed. When she wakes up, she has a piece of the dream world with her. Literally. Uh, She thinks she has everything under control until she starts getting text messages, also from said dead sister. Mac realizes she's in over her head and goes back home to get some help and relief. However, being home makes the dreams worse, not actually better. She needs to find out what really happened to her sister that night in the woods. But what if it kills her along the way? Dun dun. Done. Was this a rage or a rave for you? Okay, this was a page okay for me. I didn't love it. I did like her writing. It was very blunt to the facts, but like the story itself, I didn't like any of the characters. I wanted to slap them a couple times. I did like I was the like, aunties. you didn't even like the aunties? Jeez. I was like, I didn't like the aunties, but the main, the kids, I was like, y'all getting on my last nerve. And I don't know if that's like me being older now but I was like I don't like the stubbornness like do you really think you're gonna figure out why you're bringing back dead crow head by yourself <laughs> I mean I don't know about you but if that would have happened to me the first call I would have been was straight to my mom and been like is there something in some kind of ancestral heritage I need to know about what's happening here but that's just me but I did like her writing so I will read her again 
What about you? I did like the writing. Um, she was to the point, but I did. There were definitely some passages that stood out to me that I just, I just really liked the way she she phrased her sentences. I liked her sentence structure, <laughs> so I definitely did like the writing. <laughs> I get it in the beginning. It it did drag a little bit in the beginning for me. It honestly was better because it's that time where you don't know what's going on. The main character Mac is struggling. She doesn't know what's going on. I felt like that was a good part of this opening. It was like I didn't know what's going on. All the answers, you know where you can get them, but you're not doing it. So that was frustrating for me as well. But I feel like as soon as she went back to the prairie, as soon as we were with her family, that's when I really actually started to like the book because I thought her family unit was very interesting, especially as we learned more about each one. And I just really loved the strength that was there in this book among women. Yeah, if it had just continued the way it opened, I don't think I would have liked it that much. It was the family that really brought it around for me. So yeah, I love the aunties. And one of my favorite parts in the book was when they went out to the karaoke bar. What would have been your go-to karaoke song with them? Well, I have Pat Benatar in the brain right now. So I think maybe it would have been Hit Me With Your Best Shot. I think that would have really encapsulated the moment of what they were dealing with. Although I probably would have been taunting, you know, this evil force too. But I think that actually would have been appropriate. I'm like looking at my other go-to karaoke songs as I have them written down because, you know, it's me. And I don't know <laughs> that they would have been appropriate for the situa- situation. So <laughs> but what about you? I will always fall back on share. Because I feel like she's international. I would have done any of the share songs, maybe Believe or If I Could Turn That Time. I always think of Jack from Will and Grace. Tom. Every time. That's what I, think of. I probably would have thrown that in there. <laughs> I literally watched that it's clip so the other good. day of when she came on. God, that, was so, that was a so great funny. episode. That uh, truly, if you have seen that episode, that's all you can think of when you hear this. You cannot hear Cher and not think of him. Because yeah. like you, I would have thought my other options were a little too Florida. Uh, it would have been a little too ratchet for our uh, neighbors mm-hmm. to the north. How did you feel about Jay John's overall writing style? I feel like it was really refreshing and straight to the point. And I think it's been a minute since I've read an author. There was no trying to dissect in between, like, you know, that the Swifties do where you guys are like piecing together Easter Mm -hmm. eggs and trying to figure something out. It was almost like a breath of fresh air where it was just, this is what's happening. There's nothing else but this happening. This is where we're going back to back to back. And I was like, you know what? I needed that. I don't need to sit there and read into every other word that's going on being like, maybe this is what's going to happen. What about you? I agree. She had the way she writes is very to the point, but there was just some very beautiful use of language that I appreciated. I know there was a scene where she was talking about the trees and how they're connected that I just thought was, I just, I love that. And she did keep that theme throughout the book. But then there would also just be these like simple sentences where she's talking about, about the weight mm-hmm. of the day sticking to her skin and things like that. It's just such a simple sentence, but you completely understand what she's saying. I guess that's the job of a writer, right? <laughs> Is to <laughs> properly convey mm-hmm. these emotions and make you feel something. So I just think it was these just like beautiful little sentences that were kind of thrown in throughout that resonated with me but I did enjoy the way she writes now I gotta know what did you think about Mackenzie (sighs) Mackenzie 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 was definitely a very young minded character I don't actually know how old she was in this book but she runs from her problems and that was very obvious and so like I said and like we said had she just kind of dealt with some of the stuff earlier on she may not have been in the spot she was in 
I don't even know if she ever really understood the asking for help thing. I think she finally got it towards the end, but there were still instances throughout the mm-hmm. book where she's like, I'm at home, but I can still do this by myself. I can still do this by myself. And it's like, you can't do it by yourself. And you are literally impacting your family because you keep thinking you can. So she did learn by the end, but there was very annoying instances where I'm like, you are surrounded by humans who want to help you. Stop trying to fix everything yourself. You have no idea what you're doing and you're making it worse. She did annoy me. I was, of course, rooting for her. I'm glad she did have a a bit of an arc, but I feel like we waffled around a bit. What about you? Yeah, I wasn't a fan. And I think it's because, like you said, she wasn't asking for help. What kind of like drove me to the point where I was like, all right, I'm done with you. Is she figured out that literally every other female in her family was having these kind of dream powers, each one a different type of dream walking, whatever you want to call it. And she still was like, you know what? I'm going to take that, put it in a box over here and still try and figure everything out. And in my head, I was like, why are we not using resources? I'm not getting this. I feel like at this point, you're just being ridiculous. It it didn't make sense to me. She drove me insane a lot of it. I was like, just ask one of your aunts. They're there in the house 90% Mm -hmm. of the time. Putting an effort to make this harder for yourself. I agree. (laughs) I was like, I'm rooting for you, but you're annoying. Okay, so... This book, even on the the cover of the book, there's a crow. Obviously, there are crows throughout this book. Did the appearance of crows impact the mood of a novel from you from the beginning? And did you feel differently about their appearance or their brief appearances as the book went on? So I was a little nervous because she brought back the crow's head. (laughs) And I thought they want revenge. And I was thinking, yeah, probably. You know, crows are actually very intelligent. And they're probably watching you because you killed their friend or their brother or sister. So I was a little nervous in the beginning. But then I don't remember who she talked to. They said crows are actually helpful. Again, you would know that if you just asked. As I heard that, I was like, oh, they're fine. What about you? Yeah, I thought it was going to go a wee bit differently. I think I'm also just traumatized by crows in general in horror movies. <laughs> they never really seem to uh, <laughs> make something happy. <laughs> like They're not usually a sign <laughs> that something good is coming. Yeah. And like you said, when she brought back a crow's head, I was like, oh, <laughs> they're all gathering around her. I was like, oh, my God, she's going to get pecked to death. Like, what is happening? But yes, obviously, Mm -hmm. as we go on, we find out they're kind of like almost like her spirit guide kind of thing. So like, they're good for her, at least in this Mm -hmm. instance. Yeah, I was always a wee bit nervous. I didn't fully trust their intentions because they're way too smart for their own good. And I think everybody should be wary of them. They're smarter than humans, (laughs) I feel, at this point. Yeah. (laughs) I'm a hive mentality. Like, Like, my God. They're called Mm -hmm. a murder. A murder of crows. Come Mm -hmm. on now. I want to know who came up with that like who decided got a gaggle of geese and a murder of crows that's what i want to know <laughs> um okay so i feel like the main storyline of this book is grief in what ways do you think that grief impacted this novel and its characters i think this book actually was more about grief and loss than it was anything else um it was more about that to me than it really was about horror and it impacted everything this whole book was basically about generational trauma and it's not that she went into super in-depth detail about every single thing that happened but there's just little snippets where you find out how her aunts were abused how her mother was abused how her mom was in situations that could have just gone really really badly you know with different men Uh, we do talk about instances of like missing women and how one of her aunties lost her best friend because she's one of those missing indigenous women that people don't pay attention to so there were just these little moments of heartbreak throughout and when you pile up how much loss this family has endured it's Mm -hmm. unfathomable Mm -hmm. to fully comprehend it was really about how each of them was a 
adapting and living and moving through it. I think the mistake that a lot of this family was making, a lot of people do make, is they try to ignore it because they're like, if we literally sit here and simmer on every single thing that's happened to us, we won't be able to function, which I get. But I think in some cases, we went a wee bit too extreme. The way they reacted to the grief just created more grief for them and and literally had their family basically being attacked by kind of like this energy vampire banshee thing. So Mm -hmm. it didn't work out for them. I think the the grief story that got me the most was the twin sister, how she was seeing her sister in her dreams and talking to her. And then she was like, I never wanted to wake up. Like, I didn't want to not see her. That really struck a chord with me. I feel like Tracy had the worst go of it because every like she said every time she woke up her sister was dead again and then she went back to sleep and i don't know it just really struck a chord with me that was a really like that broke my heart in the way that she wrote that and i was like wow that was good because like mac she just kind of ignored it at the best you said she didn't even come back she didn't even like accept it but whereas tracy had to deal with it every night i was like oh that was right yeah me. well because sabrina's you know the loss of sabrina was definitely the main catalyst of this story and it was the mm-hmm. grief that was the catalyst to all this it was losing sabrina so close after losing their grandmother that was just like a giant double whammy you took out two big pillars of the family who were like the glue both of them we've touched on it a little bit dreams were obviously really important in this novel Mackenzie thinks it's just her as we go through the novel we find out literally all of the main women in her life have some sort of magical dream power psychic ability situation how do you think they impacted the story and each character I thought it was so interesting just the different iterations of how dreams impacted everyone. I want to know if she A, knows anybody like that or did research and found stuff like that. I found that fascinating. That was probably my favorite part of the book. Oh, what is your dream power? What is yours deal? I thought it was so neat. The mom is a medium. The one I liked the best was the auntie who could the colors. The colors each represented something and she had to figure out which I thought that was. That would be the question I ask. Where did you come up with that? Did you hear that somewhere. I think the way they were all dreamwalkers in their family, I think that everybody was a little bit more open about what they were talking about. And I feel like Mac felt more connected in that moment with her family than she probably has in a quite some time. I what just about? thought it was ironic that it's like they had never really talked about it. There was like one aunt who kind of knew the deal with everybody. But as a collective, even within the cousins, they had never talked about the fact that some of them were medium, some of mm-hmm. them could see color, the fact that Tracy and Sabrina literally were in each other's dreams everyone has some kind of iteration I love that uh, I did think the color one was really cool but it would be so frustrating that the colors change though and like sometimes one color is good sometimes it's not good and you just have to try and figure out how to interpret that but I did think it was interesting how each of them kind of had some semblance of a warning sign of like things to come but had they communicated we might be in a different spot like Sabrina may have been saved because they I bet you they all had some kind of flash of something is wrong something is not okay yeah drove me crazy again this could be called bad communication (laughs) (laughs) okay so the book title which is said quite often is bad Cree when Mackenzie feels like she's messing up she asks one of her aunties am I a bad Cree 
Cree. What do you think she meant by that? We heard this a couple times because I know Mac's mom mm-hmm. even said that a couple times too, where she mm-hmm. was just like, oh, I sure interfere too much with my kids. We're supposed to just appreciate the fact that you're fully formed when you're born. And she's like, maybe that makes me a bad Cree. And I think we see this in both of the books that we're talking about today, where everybody has these preconceived notions of like what you are supposed to be. And I think everybody just has to get used to the fact that everything is open to interpretation. What you think is the acceptable thing is not always what's going to work for you. And that's okay. I don't think that I could say whether she is actually bad Cree or not. I do not know enough about the Cree culture. I am not Cree. I can't speak. But I think if you are happy and you feel like you are on the right path for you, then I don't think you should be worried about living up to a certain expectation of who you are supposed to be. That's well said. I mean, like you said, I don't know the Cree culture. I don't know what it means to be a good Cree versus a bad Cree. So I can't really speak on that. I would just think as a mom, I wouldn't care what my culture said. I would have to check on my Mm -hmm. kids. I'm not going to baby bird them and kick them out of the nest and hope they fly. Uh, There's some real shit that's going on here. So I'm just going to keep checking on them. I feel like moms till forever are going to worry about their kids. It doesn't matter how old you are. You're somebody's kid forever, no matter how old you are. I mean, I watched my dad when he was like 55 get yelled at by my grandma and he strained his ass right on up. (laughs) So she was like, I don't know who you're talking to, but it ain't me. He was like, yes, ma'am. Sorry. My grandmother has definitely spanked my mother in my childhood because she did not like the way that she was Mm -hmm. approaching me. So she went after her and I was like, "Uh oh, I just ran. I made myself scarce. I was like, I don't like this. (laughs) Mark, it's something else when you see your parents Mm -hmm. being kids. I will say that. It's weird. It's weird. (laughs) I didn't like it. (laughs) Well, how did you feel about the ultimate big bad? Was it what you were expecting? I have no idea if I am pronouncing this correctly, but have you ever heard of them going to say like, weedy goes, weedy goes, windigo, windigo? Yeah. Wittigo, Wittigo. Wittigo. Have you heard of these prior to reading this? I have just in a different name. I Googled them because I was like, what? I wanted to see if I could find a picture. They go by a bunch of different names. And one of them is one of them is called a a Wendigo. That's why I said Wendigo, um, because that's what that's like the word that I closely associate. So I was like, is that okay? That makes sense. It's a it's another version of that. And I read that in Cressley Cole's series. She has them in there and they're the same thing. I don't know what I thought the big bad was going to be. I'm not sure what I thought was going to be in the woods. I honestly thought there was going to be something traumatic that happened in there outside of Mm -hmm. like a supernatural Mm -hmm. force. I thought there was like a man in there who did something. But then when I realized how fast they were in and out, I didn't think of a supernatural. But yes, I have heard of the Wettigos. What about you? Yeah, well, I guess I've heard of them under their other names. So I guess that makes sense Mm -hmm. of why my brain was uh, associating them with Wettigos. So there you go. Yeah, I wasn't really sure which way we were going to go with this. Obviously, everything was pointing to the woods. Something definitely went down in said woods. I just couldn't figure out what it was going to be exactly. Uh, I did think this was interesting because, I mean, it, it made sense like what was happening. It made sense that it was tied into how their land was being utilized and taken over by, you know, oil and whatever. And then when all that left, like when all the greed kind of left, it, what do these monsters have to suck on and live on? And that's what it became grief was like close the closest mm-hmm. thing they had i was like it was interesting how they tied that all into like what was also happening in their town and to their culture and they had like those little moments where they were talking about like oh that was the Cree kid who used to be you know a dancer in our cultural events and then now he was working for the man because you know he was making money so it was just interesting these little asides that she had it wasn't like the main part of the story but it like brought it all together yeah i didn't i didn't see that coming so i thought it was a nice little twist that she threw the supernatural 
natural in there. And it also worked because that's part of their culture. So I was like, very interesting. So at the very end of the book, obviously, Mac does see her grandmother in that dream. So it's basically like she inherited her mom's. It Her dream horror nightmares she was having morphed into like her mom's dream powers, which I thought was cool. So she got to like hang out with her grandma. And I just looked mm-hmm. and she's like, I just want to see what's up. What's good? <laughs> and her, even her mom was like, what an asshole. <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> grandma mentioned something about um, Sabrina coming back, but like she's already visited them, but she's in different form. Uh, Mac noticed something white, like hopping to the top of the trees and things. Like, what do you think that was? Do you think that was another one of these like Weedigo, Windigo things? Or do you think that was her sister? I think it was her sister. I'm not sure how her sister came back. I, I wish she would have probably did like something in the beginning that maybe had like alluded to her sister, but I think it was her sister. I don't think it was another Wendigo thing. Yeah, what do you I think? I wasn't sure. I was like, that's a little ominous. I was like, what does that mean? Where? <laughs> I was like, is this good or bad? It left a little bit of an opening <laughs> in case there was like something, you know, like a secondary thing, but I'm honestly mm-hmm. not sure. She had noticed that thing before, whatever it was um, in the trees. Like she kept saying like a flash of white and I just, I have no idea. I'm not sure. It could be good, could be bad. I would hope it was something good. It was her sister because I feel like her grandma would have been like, oh, there's more here. <laughs> But that's- I would hope so. So maybe they got a, a little bit of a happy ending. I think they all deserve a little bit of a break. All right. Well, segueing into our next book, My Heart is a Chainsaw by Stephen Graham Jones was released in August of 2021. In the leagues of Sager and Hendrix, Jones introduces us to another slasher-obsessed final girl, Jade Daniels. Jade is angry, really angry, between the trauma she suffered from an absentee mother and an abusive father to navigating a predominantly white community as a half Blackfoot outcast, she has begun to warp her reality into a horror movie plot to self-soothe. But when some tourists go missing and blood starts to literally flow into Indian Lake, all her knowledge comes in handy as she sees the slasher cycle unfolding before her eyes. The only question is, will the slasher be human or other? And can the final girl step up to the challenge? All right, Ash, rage or rave? Um, I think this is leaning more towards a rave for me. It was definitely a different book, but I did like it. I think it's easier to like this book if you're into horror movies, especially like the slasher era, which we are like, I love the slasher era. So I think it would be really hard to not like this book in some capacity just because it is a literal love story. And no, it is not a literal love story, but it is a love letter to slasher films. What about you? Uh, Like you said, it's it leans more to a rave for me. It took me a second to get into it, but once I did, I was hooked. And the next book is even better than this one. And I absolutely loved it. I loved Jade. Poor thing. She was a hot mess express with for good reason. And I loved her either way. I loved the share. There were so many characters that I loved. And, and there was a lot of characters I hated. I definitely have been saying to anybody who will listen, please read this book. <laughs> and the next one. <laughs> like we said, this is basically basically a love letter to slasher films. Where does this end up in your lineup between Sager and Hendrix's Final Girls book? Ah, uh, okay. I thought you I wasn't sure if you met in the Final Girls or just with them. I was like, why is Sager on this list? He's trash. <laughs> like we he's not even <laughs> in the running anymore. We're done with that. Yeah, I mean, this would probably be third in in that lineup like 
I think those two are still better in terms of like the final girl books themselves. But I did Mm -hmm. enjoy Jade and just the way her mind worked. But just the book overall, I think Hendrix is still number one for me. Yeah, I'm gonna say Hendrix is number one. And this is probably because I read the second one and the second one to me is so much better than first. But I'm putting this as two and then Sager is But I haven't read the second one. So you have to go off the first. I'm gonna still say it's two for me because Jade as the final girl, I feel like have whooped the final girl in Sager's book. I do uh, Sager books ass. Gr- Jones has me second in line on this one. No, I can see that in terms of final girl showdown. Yeah, Jade would definitely take on the final girl in Sager's book. She was like a baker. Come on. <laughs> Uh, yeah, nothing. She got nothing. <laughs> Jane's got that. Well, what did you think of uh, Stephen Graham Jones's writing overall? Because I think this was the first one I've read by him. I have a few of him on my list. I just didn't realize it, it, they were all written by him, honestly. So it took me a minute to get into this book. I started it and then I stopped it and then I went back in and I couldn't figure out why I couldn't attach to it. And then I realized, oh my God, he's writing this from the mind of a teenage girl. Like One long run sentence for like pages, tangenting and it's all over the place. And once I caught onto that, I flew through it. So I really did like it. And, uh, but when I did read the second book, I was like, is this, is there like, what is his normal writing style? I wanted to see what that was and it's it's very good in my opinion once we got out of the six pages of one sentence where everything was all over the place and i was like this is just going so fast for me i have no idea what's going on i i liked his writing what about you i did like the writing um so i don't know if this is full-on stream of consciousness but it did feel like it was stream of consciousness adjacent which is actually one of my favorite writing styles so like virginia wolf um mrs dalloway like that's one of was one of my favorites in high school and this is exactly how it is you're literally in their brain just like going through it i didn't have a problem with that i think it is tough sometimes because for jade she has a lot of internal inner jokes with herself and so sometimes you're like wait what (laughs) like what are you talking about and then you have to be like oh okay that i wasn't used to because typically when i'm reading this writing style it is from a previous century so it's not like stream of consciousness now so that was different Mm -hmm. because obviously the way we think is different too i think it was a wee bit more straightforward in those i did like it it was just sometimes you had to reread a couple things you're like jade what are you cracking yourself up about now (laughs) (laughs) but again if you are a lover of the slasher genre i do think it's easier for you to follow her inner jokes and these inner monologues and things if you have no context i would probably not like this book (laughs) to be honest like i think it would be very hard to follow if you have zero context, if you've never even seen like a scream or anything like that, I don't think people would get it. I really yeah. don't. I would love to hear from somebody who has no context of any of these movies and if they liked it or not. That'd be an interesting mm-hmm. conversation. What did you think about? I have no yeah. idea what she's talking about for, for seven chapters. Of book, like, you're not going to get. Oh, Jane. Oh, <laughs> she was hilarious. Okay, so we have... Two final girls in this book, Letha Mondragon. What a great name, by the way. And Jade. Do you think his portrayal of them was authentic, coming from a man, which says a lot. How do you think he did? I think it can be tough. And I know I got a lot of rants about women written by men because I don't like it. Riley Sager, like seriously, man, like just Hmm. cut it out. Like just I'm done. I'm done with you. I think his felt a bit more realistic. But I was also reading some interviews that he's done with other um, 
like podcasts and just other magazines and things like that. And he said the amount of women that he had pre-read this book, make sure things make sense. And he took all those edits. For instance, the fact that Jade just kept dyeing her hair and she kept dyeing it with like horrible things. He had um, women in his life that were like, dude, her hair would have fallen out by now. So Jade's hair had to go because he was like, oh, I didn't even know that was a thing. So he put the research in to make sure it felt authentic. And I do think he did a a pretty good job at making her feel like a teenage girl. And uh, all of the research he did was good. It it definitely worked out. He said when he was writing this, his daughter was also 17 and obsessed with slashers. So I think that helped as well. Like he had had this person in his house. So I think that definitely helped his frame of reference a bit. Letha was different because Letha was the final girl. So she was a wee bit more of a trope than she was a real person to me at least towards until we got mm-hmm. to the end and that wasn't that was very much intentional obviously because that's how the final girl is too they're just like oh they're up on a rosy pedestal you know i would love to have him as the first male author on our podcast i just i loved him i love this book series the fact that it's like rated like a three point it's like a low three i whatever they're not slasher they, fans, like i don't I think don't, they are but yeah. i think compared to everything else we read about women and her boobs enter the room before she did you know i thought i thought he did a great Mm -hmm. job it made me think yeah this is how i thought when i was a teenage girl i was all over the place put in the work to understand the minds of females and i appreciate that opposed to some other male authors who just make us all pill poppers or drunks and then call it Mm -hmm. a day riley anyway i don't know why we do that i want to know your thoughts on jade give me all of them start to finish she just made me giggle honestly and just the way she went about her life i think the the scene that really got me i mean she had a couple because she just cracked herself up internally in her head i just it it was so silly to me but when she was watching the party because she was just waiting she's like i feel it coming the slasher cycle is starting she was just like looking for signs everywhere so she is hanging out at the senior party she has her you know, mask uh, prepped, like her Michael Myers mask or whatever it was, prepped in her coveralls so that she can be like <laughs> incognito in the background. And I'm just like, what are you thinking? Like, you're standing there in coveralls and like a slasher mask. And you're not exactly going to blend in with the woods around you in a bright white <laughs> mask. You know what I mean? And like, who else would it be in this city at this point? Like, who else would it be but you? It was things like that. And the fact that she literally had had hidden weapons all all over the place just in case because she's like how cool would it look for the slasher to be dragging this like double-headed axe behind them as they're like entering the final whatever i was just like jade like <laughs> you kill me i was like oh my god i would be friends with jade i really i i'm very interested in the way that her mind works i am very happy that jade it felt like she was coming a little bit more into her own as the book went on i guess i can say that i enjoyed jade Mm -hmm. i'm hardcore team jade like i love her i thought about it from different instances when i read about her with her parents and i i mean that broke my heart in so many ways you know wanted to protect her just like the sheriff did and her history teacher did and then i thought about her as like what if i was going to high school with her i'd be like what is wrong with this girl but also i would want to be friends with her because i'd be like i want you on my Mm -hmm. team because she is a bad bitch could say a love letter to jade in itself because she's so she's had such a heartbreaking life and from day one i mean it's it's 
awful the way she was treated by her parents who are supposed to be the mm-hmm. the people that are there for her and she found her family outside of it which I love that for her I think she has such a big heart to do what she did <laughs> like D-Day prepping for everybody mm-hmm. in town even though nobody realizes it and I think the fact that she can still joke and have little laughs with herself after everything she went through I was like you are one of a kind Jade like that she sure. is she is definitely one of a kind I think that's a great way to sum her up but I still just found her endearing and yes obviously her story is heartbreaking her other outlet was this lover of slasher films like that was something that she used to rationalize the world around her and give herself structure because she had none with her family and so I appreciated Mm -hmm. the way that her mind worked in that instance and that's what she did to give herself some kind of okay this is how the world works did you like her uh her papers (laughs) in between (laughs) they were probably my favorite parts of the book Dear sir, like they would just <laughs> killed me. I, if I was Mr. Holmes, that would probably be the highlight of my like week or my semester or whatever it was because they were so funny. Just the way she writes. I also thought that that was a really ingenious Stephen. Uh, <laughs> that was a great uh, tool that Stephen used uh, as he was writing this because it was kind of giving people who were not slasher fans that basis to understand like what was going on versus the rest of us were like, I know, I know, I know. But you're reading them because Jade is hilarious. And so you just want to see what she has to say about this. And then just love it like, oh, we'll get into red herrings. And we're going to talk about red herrings. <laughs> Not in this paper, though. Like, that's for another day. Like, she killed me. I, I love them. I love her relationship she had with Bear Holmes. And and they were good. They were good papers. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have been mad. I was like, you know, I would have probably given it a BRA on some of these. These are pretty good. Well thought out. Hit all her points really hard. I'm not mad about it. The passion was there. She just needed some finesse. <laughs> <laughs> but like it was enjoyable. In terms of extra credit, I would have given her the extra credit. Okay. Well, obviously this entire book is literally about this cycle of the slasher, who the final girl is going to be. Why do you think Jade was unable to to ever see herself as the final girl and always had to look elsewhere for her. I think she just didn't have any self-worth or any value in herself because of how she grew up. She didn't think of herself strong enough or good enough to be the final girl. What about you? I think she didn't think she was clean enough. Like she wasn't pure enough to be able to be the final girl because that's always a trope in the final girl movies is they're like these untouched virginal like pillars of the community. They are never the ones that had their hands dirty in any capacity. And obviously we don't always know what has happened to her in her book, but in this book until the end when we get confirmation, but at least in the beginning, we at least know she has two really shitty parents who do not care about her. She just didn't think she could fit into that mold because I think there was a point, especially in these early slasher movies where final girls were up on this pedestal. And I think that has to change now because there's a very different view of women, you know, between now and like the 70s, 80s. She just felt like she Mm -hmm. was too real. She had too many issues. She had too much shame and guilt. And I think there's even a quote about it um, in the book where she talks about it. Team yeah, Jane. Team. Okay, so if you went to her <laughs> high school, yes, <laughs> and this random goth <laughs> girl came up to you with a wad of papers on her slasher notes, would you have listened or been like, hey, let's have a therapy session? Try to think of high school, Ashley. That's tough. I think I definitely would have read the papers because I would have been like, what is happening here? But I probably would have flagged it to somebody because I probably also would have been concerned because let's be real. Nobody 
nobody is going to be like, oh, yeah, I'm totally in a slasher cycle. Maybe now. <laughs> Maybe now I'd be like, no, no, something is going down. <laughs> like, <laughs> she's doing, she's saying the right thing. <laughs> she's literally Cassandra of Troy right here. Like, mm-hmm. But I don't know if high school Ashley would have been like, yeah, totally down for this. Like, I'm not sure. I think I would have been nervous for her. What about you? A uh, high school cat would have been like, do you want to come over to my house for dinner? <laughs> I would have. Yeah. I would have taken her into the Freeman household. Mm -hmm. My parents would have adopted her straight up. My mom would have gone and beaten her dad to death and been like, sign over your parental rights. She's my kid Mm -hmm. now. I would have had none of that. And then, yes, I would have read the papers and been like, oh. Mm-hmm. Can we talk mm-hmm. about this? I do not think I would have believed something mm-hmm. was going down in my little community of Idaho. No. So, no. I think that's what bothered me more is like Letha was worked up about it enough to tell like the sheriff and Mr. Holmes, but not worked up enough to be like, hey, do you want dinner? Like, do you want to come over and have a meal? Do you need a place to stay? Like, those would have been some of my first questions. I would have immediately invited her to my house and been yeah. like, listen, my mom can tutor you. She a teacher. Like, I would have done yeah. all the things. You can have a full meal. You can have a bed. If you want some brothers to make fun of you, you can have that too. Like, Take I don't them both. <laughs> you know, we can sit on the couch, watch TV with my dad. Like, whatever you need. Let's fix yeah. your hair. <laughs> yeah, let's let's start this again. We can we can fix this. Maybe the buzz cut will just be the place we need to start. But we're going to do a better buzz. Mm-hmm. So, But yeah, I think that was uh, the issue I had. Not only Lisa, but with the community as a whole. Is it like, it was not a secret in the community what was going on with her. But I didn't mm-hmm. really see anybody. Hey, maybe we should find a better place for her to stay like people helped in their own way like the librarian like looked the other way and let her do her homework and people looked the other way and like kind of let her help herself to things they didn't go out of their way to help her until the end which I did not like I agree that pissed me off I was like y'all deserve a freaking massacre because y'all assholes so whoopsies okay did you feel like the ultimate big bad was going to end up being a slasher or did you think it was going to be paranormal I thought it was definitely going to be just paranormal they shocked me when they added Letha's dad in there. I didn't expect that. But I definitely thought it was going to be Stacy Graves. But I did not expect Mondragon to be the other big bad. I was really shocked about that one. That one was weird. Like the the end of this book is a wee bit chaotic. So it, it's kind of hard mm-hmm. to even fully grasp how you feel about what happened. But it's like, I know he was killing people. <laughs> he was killing like workers. But it's like he wasn't going on just like a random massacre. I still don't know why he was killing those workers. But it was like just them. What was happening? Like, I just didn't get any answers with that. I think they explain it a little bit more okay. in the second book. Okay. So, yeah, that was weird, but I did not, even when they were talking about it, I did not think he was going to end up being the big, the biggest of the big bats. So I was like, this doesn't feel like it's it. And she did keep mentioning Stacey Gray. Stacey Gray was like, this has to come into play in some capacity. So in no way was mm-hmm. I surprised that it actually ended up being her. And I think it was done well. Because sometimes when we veer off into paranormal, Riley. It's trash and it needs Mm -hmm. to not have happened. So I think this was actually done well. I also liked how they pulled in like the chapel at the bottom of the water and why Stacey couldn't even like touch the water. It's very visual for me too. I've Mm -hmm. seen way too many horror movies. I was like, ah! Like, you know exactly what's happening. I mean, let's get into the final, the big final scene where they're watching Jaws on the water. I mean, that was 
super visual. <laughs> like I literally saw Stacy just like running across the water like Daffy Duck everywhere. Everything he was describing, I was like, I am there. First of all, I am not going to a body of water and watching Jaws. Let me make that clear. I don't care if it's a puddle. I don't care if it's a pool. I'm not doing that. The whole ending, it was just, okay, everything is happening right now. I mean, people are getting taken out left and right. And that was my favorite part of the book. It was amazing. I thought that was great. I was like, yeah. wow. I was like, this is definitely horror. It was What'd a wee think? bit overwhelming at the end. Yeah, there was so much happening at the same time. I think the concept of what they were doing, like that movie on the water was really cool. But yeah, I don't I do agree. You don't watch Jaws and then expect everything to be fine. Like that's not what's going to happen. Like you're just inviting chaos into your little hemisphere here. It was brutal. It did feel very slasher like. I feel like the very opening chapter and the very end chapter felt very on brand for what this what this genre Mm -hmm. was about. It was very visual. I could literally see it happening just like left, right, center. There was a point I was like Jade I'm not sure how you're getting out of this one I think you might drown it's very intense during all this Jade is dodging Stacy mm-hmm. literally <laughs> who, <laughs> who all I can see is like running on water like yeah. Daffy Duck I'm just getting not, the ring like, girl like I'm getting her but like yeah. pedaling on the water yeah yeah mm-hmm. and she goes to her dad and kills him do you think that in that moment she made herself a final girl because she took out her own personal monster do you think she took that title for herself in that way i think jade is kind of what i was alluding to where it's like she's a new brand of final girl because the final girl trope of the 70s 80s is not going to be the final girl and even early 2000s i don't really want to talk about some of the early 2000s ones because that i have some issues but i think this is a new final girl it's not going (laughs) to be like a perfect pure virginal character like that's just not going to be it it's not going to be you know this perfectly quaffed like ninja of a woman who is (laughs) the final girl and the monster might not necessarily be who we expect it to be so I still do think Jade is a final girl. She did not take out the big bad in this case, but she took out her personal big bad, which was still hanging over the story. And honestly, trash human, a better world without a minute. Mm -hmm. So she always talked about that one final girl who like pushed her head, her hand down the throat and like ripped out the heart. That's the final girl that Jade is. I think that was like a a good moment for her. I feel like she felt maybe as safe as she could, especially in the situation she was in where (laughs) Tacey was going hail. Draws. You have little literal <laughs> human draws just like floating through the water next to you and like bodies. No, oh, that was I will the other say. moment when Lith- Letha was getting her jaw ripped off and Jade's inner monologue of like, oh, oh God, that looks really bad. Oh, that stayed on. That must be her moisturizer routine. I was like, Jade, I'm stop it. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I love her, man. I love her. I can't um, wait for you to read the second book. I like Letha, but like I, I stand for Jade. I like Letha more in the second book because she does a couple things. I'm like, yeah, girl, get in that. Get down and dirty with it. By traditional de- definition of what Jade had initially defined a final girl as, I don't think she would have given herself the final girl title. But I think, like I said, in this new definition that we're going to force everybody to have, 100% epitome of a final girl. Did you think that Jade had enough of a character arc over the course of the novel? I think taking out her dad probably helped her. I think at the end when she goes up and she watches, I think it was the, the bear go off in the woods with its cubs. I think that was like a nice ending for her and a nice solid arc. 
in my opinion. Like she was like, this is what a mom should be. This is what a parent should be. And I just didn't have that. And I feel like she accepted her life and her abuse and was very open about what had gone on with her. You're making it sound so nice. What about she didn't you? watch a mother bear go off with her cubs. She literally watched it like about to kill another grizzly who was like attacking it. Like she was watching but a that's bear what they do. Like, I know. But you're like, oh, they just wandered off happily around for us. Like it literally ends with these two bears about to like eat each other. <laughs> And she was like, that's what a parent should do. They should fight for their kids. And my parents didn't. So, Well, she didn't believe that 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 parents actually did that until she saw that moment. So it was that nice moment where she was like, oh, I guess they actually can do that. Like she's seeing it in nature, but it happened literally like the last (laughs) sentence of the book. I don't know. I think her her arc was a little strange in this book. I think there was growth, but the end was so chaotic. It's very... It's very hard to even really fully see what happened because she truly did not accept her role until it was happening. And then she was like, well, I guess it's me. There's no one else. <laughs> like, I don't know what to do here. Because she was very much in like a make me your villain state of mind, like this whole this whole book. And then it was just like at the end, she's like, "Uh oh, she's like, I guess I'm a final girl. But then I just killed my dad. And then they just got it on video. Like, I don't know who I am. And then we ended with, yeah, the bear scene where she was like, oh, I guess parents do exist. Like, it's just a lot at once. Maybe in the second book, I'll see where she has ended and how she is. But it was it was hard to judge the character arc here. She's up there, man. She's one of my favorite final girls I've read. She just cracks me up. <laughs> she is. And it was nice that she actually knew what was going on. It was nice to have a final girl who actually knows and understands what's happening. I feel like some others are just very passive or they're like ignoring it. And she's like, no, where is it? And every time she saw something that like aligned with her slasher cycle, she's like, he, he, he. Like she was like giggling. She was so because <laughs> she didn't think she was going to be a part of it. She thought she she was just going to be an observer, an innocent bystander, but she didn't have to be in it. It's like, oh, no, you're in it. You're in it, lady. But yes, all in all, solid reads. I preferred uh, Jones. Jones, not Johns. Stephen Graham Jones, I preferred. I love me some Jade. She was She was just a trip. She was one of a kind, man. I did enjoy Jade. I think she was probably one of my favorite character, main characters between the two. I loved the aunties in the first one. It was tough because I truly don't feel like either of these was like true horror all the way through. My my heart is a chainsaw. It was very like everything was happening off screen, you know, and it wasn't necessarily happening to Jade until the end. So it was tough because it was just it was different but then obviously the parts that were horror in chainsaw were horror <laughs> like they were mm-hmm. straight out of the slasher which i appreciated so i don't think any of these either one of these were true like horror or traditional horror books in the way you would expect it but i did like both i think in terms of the horror genre chainsaw was definitely on the better end of of that um and definitely like i said better main character so probably i would vote for that one as well and read <laughs> don't fear the reaper it gets even better well since we're winding down i may actually have time to read it it's been also sitting in my bookcase for several months i bought that before i even read this one all right well we want to hear from you have you read either of these books which ones did you prefer and where does jade stack up in your list of final girls email us at hello at pageragepodcast.com or dm us on insta at pagerage underscore podcast and of course please subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast network